Lori Houston's News for the Heart is dedicated to helping you give a voice to your own soul. Our hearts have the power to free us from pain and the struggles that keep us from awakening to our true essence. Join Lori now as we delve into our heart and soul to find the path that will open us to the possibilities and lead us to the life we love to live. And good afternoon. This is News for the Heart. And today, I do it at the end of every month as long as Tom's not away. (laughs) I have Tom Campbell with me. This is going to be an interesting show because I've got some feedback from some stuff that's been happening with me. And we've got some questions from our listeners, which I always appreciate and you know, I'm honored that, uh, that they take the time and connect with us and we want to hear what you guys have to say. So please just keep sending them and we'll keep answering them as long as they have to do with my end, which is more looking at the practical applications of Tom's work versus, you know, the really scientific stuff. As you know, Tom and I, I love having Tom on the show. We do really resonate in a nice place and we talk about how we can make his work practical and how that's done um, I have a great example of today so um, I wanted to bring it up just because um, and we've been talking about it for years and I finally really it just really clicked in nicely so that I was able to um, to really hold some of the truth of what we've been talking about and sharing for the past few years. Um, But welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you, Laurie. Always glad to be here. It's always fun to kind of walk on the personal side and the application side for a while and not always be on the science side. So I'm glad to be here. Right. Me too. And we always get so many great comments on our videos. So we do appreciate all that everybody is sending. So this past month, I was really able to see how when someone gets triggered or when someone, um, you know, has this emotional charge that happens, how we automatically focus that emotional charge or that trigger to me. So it's like anything that happens, no matter what it is, we pull it into our own story. We pull it into Um, this pattern and we focus on me and I was really able to see how beneficial if we were able to just sort of pull back from the me pull back from that initial reaction I think honestly until we completely heal you know some of those these core wounds or these sacred wounds that we have we'll we're always going to have that initial charge or that initial reaction or emotional reaction that we have. And if we can, as soon as we start to feel that, if we can just sort of step back from that and then allow the person in front of you, which is usually what it is, because it's usually around relationships. And I'm not just talking about intimate relationships. It can be any relationship, colleagues at work, friends, neighbors, Uh, someone behind you in the grocery line. But if we can just sort of get out of our own story or that own, that first initial charge and then just sort of hold space, we can really see the truth in what's sort of occurring around us. I don't know, just sort of disengage from that emotional connection and just sort of process and you know, hold the space for the other person. It really allowed 
all of the what could have been a difficult situation to just you know be nothing yes that happens a lot you know we had we have this uh, phrase about having a chip on your shoulder mm. uh that means you're just very quickly um get defensive and very quickly you know ready to fight and scrap at almost anything you know that kind of thing but and that's associated with be, with having uh having uh let's say some sense of of insecurity, but that's not quite the word uh, inadequacy, some sort of vulnerability. When you feel that, that maybe you're not doing it as well as you should, or that other people think you should do more, and you, you have that sense of, of uh, a little chip on the shoulder, you know, that you feel like maybe you are under the gun or somebody's criticizing you, well, you jump to that conclusion. When you hear them say something, and they may just be stating a fact. They may not be being critical of you at all. And it comes it comes to mind was a, a, a lady who was giving a, a, a talk, and she was talking about uh, communication. And she told a story on herself that, uh, you know, she was at home doing work. She had the kitchen table all piled up with her documents, and she had been working hard on this thing for a long time. And, of course, because of that, she was feeling a little guilty that she wasn't keeping up with other things that she used to do around the house and whatever. So she'd been doing this for some weeks. And the husband comes in, looks in the refrigerator and says, there's no bologna in the refrigerator. <laughs> and she immediately goes off and proceeds to explain to him why she is not his maid. And if he wants bologna, he can damn well. I'll go to the store and buy bologna himself. And, you know, so she's given him all of this grief. And that's because she felt guilty. inadequate. She felt guilty. She felt that she wasn't doing what she should. And because of that, she took that there's no bologna in the refrigerator as a criticism of her, that she had failed. It was her job to do the shopping, which maybe that's what she normally did. And she got very angry when he made that comment. And the reason she was telling the story was because she said, and then her husband said, well, I just wanted you to know in case, you know, it means something to you. You know, it's just stating a fact. There is no baloney in the refrigerator. And that's all I meant. Just, a, you know, it, it, what didn't have anything to do with her. He was just out loud kind of saying what came into his mind when he looked in the refrigerator. He wasn't criticizing her at all. And she realized that. And then she realized that that was her problem, not his problem. And you're saying something very similar that stems from feeling inadequate, feeling like you're not as much as you should be, feeling uh, insecure. Then when you hear things, you tend to jump to the conclusion that it's about you. And it's not only about you, it's being critical of you. It's saying something. It's trying to order you around or tell you what you need to do or somehow somebody's treading on you. Well, that's back to the old chip on the shoulder. And when you feel insecure, vulnerable, guilty, you know, uh, inadequate, all those things, then you have this little chip on your shoulder. And when somebody says something, you tend to take it as a, as a hostile comment. And then you react to it as if it was a hostile comment. And the other person's going like, what's that all about? You know, why telling me that I can damn well go buy my own baloney? You know, I just made a statement. So then that person starts to get exactly. surly because they've just been attacked. Exactly. You see? And they say, well, you know, 
what do you mean I can go buy my own bologna, you know? What a, you know, and then they'll come back with something, and then that turns into a fight, a problem, when the fact was there really was nothing to fight about at all. It was just a statement made that when one, particularly guys do this, you know, they, they just talk what they, what they see and how they feel at the moment. Sometimes they just say it. And it wasn't an attribution of responsibility at all. So right. and that's maybe, the kind of thing you're talking about, I think. That yeah, exactly. happens so much, and it tends to be a men are for Mars, women are for Venus kind of problem. Right. Because women are they're, they're kind of the masters of the relationship area, arena. That's what they do. Yeah. And relationship is never a very factual thing. It's all intuitive, and it all is kind of reading the signs and making assumptions and guessing because you never have a whole lot of facts there. Okay, And if they tend to say something, if they come out in their intellect and say and want to announce that there's no baloney, there's usually a reason. They're only going to say that if they think somebody else needs to hear it, you see. But so when they hear their husband say that, then they think it's the same way. The only reason he's saying that is because he thinks somebody needs to hear it and who else is in the room but them. Therefore, they take it personally because they don't say things to people in relationship unless there's some connection to be made. So the ladies tend to be more manipulative in the sense, not in a negative sense, but just in, if I do this, it'll cause that. Or I say things because I think certain people need to hear that that way. And they do relationship from their intellect. Guys don't, you see. So for the guy, it didn't have anything to do with relationship. He was just (laughs) stating a fact and saying it out loud. And he didn't actually mean that it was anybody would particularly do anything about it. It was just an announcement, if you will, you see. But ladies will take it the way ladies would do it. And if they did it, that's the way they would have done it. It would have had a purpose, not just a statement of fact. Mm. Ladies don't go around just making statements of fact because that doesn't work in relationship business. They have a, they have a, you know, a point that they're making. So it's kind of a male female dichotomy in the way men are and the way ladies are. And then to that, if the lady tends to be feeling you know, a little uh, insecure or inadequate or guilty as this lady was feeling because she'd been working and hadn't been doing the things she used to do, then that immediately somebody is criticizing you. Mm. Well, you're busy. You have this job, you know, you're bringing home money and whatever. And now they're criticizing you for not also doing all your other stuff, you know, and now that's unfair and that just isn't right. So then you need to, you know, fight back or, you know, you get upset and angry. So it's just miscommunications. It's just, yeah, making up your own story. You internalize all this stuff, and it creates so much of the, of the, uh, I don't know, the discomfort and the pro- the angst in a relationship is just that. It's over things that don't actually even exist. And you said if you could back up a little bit and get some space and just kind of let that go, that maybe you could see that. It's your conclusion that you jumped to that the husband said that because he thinks you failed in your job. But that may not be true at all. All you have to do is ask a question or make a statement like, um, yeah, I haven't been able to get to the store. Maybe you'll have to go because, you know, I'm really you know, busy here. I got to get this out in the next couple of days and see how he react to that. And if he says, oh, sure, or 
Yeah, whatever. Oh, I don't care. I really don't need any baloney. I just let you know that there wasn't any in the refrigerator, you know, that sort of thing. Then you realize it's not really that he's upset with you for failing. It's just something else. It's just a statement, you see. So just ask a question rather than jump immediately into the assumption that somebody has just, you know, pushed your button, has just triggered your whatever, you know, let these triggers go. Deal with the real world, not with the fantasy world that is in your imagination, that is your assumption. Live in the real world. And in the real world, to know why somebody said something, just ask. Oh, dear, why did you say that? And you say, well, I just thought you might want to know. <laughs> then let it go, you see. Now, if he says, well, that's because you failed and I wanted you to know that you had failed. Well, now that's something else. Maybe you do need to have a little, you know, talk around that because that's an issue. But most of the time, it's not even an issue. It's just our ego gets all wrapped up around us and our hurt and our insecurity, and we're not perfect, we're not doing what we should do, but we want to be perfect, and we don't want people not to like us and think that we're not doing what we should do. We're very sensitive what other people think about us because we're not too secure, we don't have a lot of confidence, and there we go. You see, now we interpret lots of things in our world as being aggressive to us, as being pushy, as being inconsiderate, and that sort of thing. And we feel ourselves as, oh, oh, poor little me. I always have to put up with this crap. You know, I always have to put up with this junk from, from people. And mostly that junk and crap is all in your mind. You're making it up. It doesn't even really exist in the minds of those other people. Sometimes it does. But you won't really know unless you ask a question. Or unless you just let it go. And even if you don't ask the question and say, well, that's, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to take that bait. You know, it's all right. I know I'm busy. I'm doing what I have to do, and I'm just going to do it. So it's okay with me, no matter how he feels. You know, if he thinks I should go out and do it, and I'm busy, well, I'm busy. See, now that's just confidence. You don't have to defend yourself because you're comfortable with who you are and what you're doing, and you know you're doing what you have to do. And then if somebody else says, well, I think you failed to do this, you just kind of ignore it one in, in one ear and out the other because you're confident that what you're doing is what you need to be doing and that they just don't understand. And there's no need in fighting with them about that. Exactly. Let it go. You see, so that's the other way to handle it. But a lot of the time, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a, a uh, criticism in the first place. That's, the, that's what we talk about triggers. See, these triggers are our ego. These triggers are us feeling inadequate, us being vulnerable to not being perfect. Oh, I didn't do what I should do. I'm not the perfect person. <laughs> you see, ladies get this idea they need to be perfect because they are about their relationships and they need to be perfect in their relationships. They need not to do things in their relationships that are harmful or, you know, not right or inadequate or insecure. You know, they don't want to do any of that. They want to be perfect. And when somebody tells them that they're not perfect, that they screwed up or didn't do something, well, that's the that's a trigger point. See, now that is kind of calling them out on that uh, ego that they're wrapped up in. And right away, they tend to snap. You know, they're going to snap back. They're going to bark. They're going to fuss about it. And that's just a, the wrong thing to do. Even if that husband was trying to tell her, 
that she had failed in her duty to keep bologna in the refrigerator, there's no point in her getting upset about it. She might as well just let it go and maybe, or say something gentle like, well, you know, I've been very busy. So, you know, that's sometimes, some things will have to fall through the cracks if I'm going to make my deadline here that I have to make. And you're going to have to, you know, pick up the slack however you can or do without. (laughs) That's just the way it is. And not feel bad about that. Just accept that that's the way it is. You see, but if you don't have confidence, then you have this little chip on your shoulder. And when you do, that's a, that's what you're calling a trigger. It's that ego. It's, that's the problem. And it's a, it's a real big, um, I don't know, cause of damage in relationships. It really is. Really, it really is. <laughs> really is. All right. So let's go into our question. So this is a good question. It it kind of talks about how we say, you know, we're not really in control of things that are happening. So let go of trying to control things. Okay. So we talk about it, how it's good to set intentions so that it's... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it focuses our energy and it moves us towards right. a certain place and it gives us, mm-hmm. whether it's a goal emotionally or spiritually or whatever. But we also talk about, and I guess this is why the confusion is there. And I think it's a good one because I think a lot of people get confused. We also talk about letting go, like don't focus on the outcome, let go, don't, don't try to control mm-hmm. everything. I see. So you mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Those two tend seem to be um, at odds with each other. Exactly. And one of them says, you know, if you want to change, you have to have an intention. If you want to do something, if you want to take action, you need an intention. Yes. And otherwise, you just sit there and, you know, your intention is like your your motivation, your desire, your drive. Uh, It's it's what you want to accomplish or what you want to do and or what you want to become. You know, it's an, an intention for things to happen or to be in a certain way. So that's kind of our guidance. If we didn't have intention, we'd kind of sit, you know, and just become a lump, you know, someplace, and we really wouldn't be able to do anything. We wouldn't have any motivation. So we need intention to get us going. And the other one is um, don't control. Don't try to control everything. Don't try to control the outcome. Uh, Just let things go. Let things happen. And when things happen, you get to deal with them the way they happen, but don't try to make things happen in a particular way. You know, just accept life as it is, accept people as they are and deal with it with love and caring and cooperation. And that's a good thing to do. Okay. So those are the two I did. And both of those are true. Okay. So why do they, why do they sometimes seem to conflict? Well, one is the intention isn't really setting a goal for the most part. It's not like this is the end point of what I want to happen. When we say have an intention, when we're talking about um, an action, you know, what, it's more of the path, not the, not the end point. It's more of the, of the journey, not the destination. The intention is about, you know, I want to be more caring. I want to be more aware of other people. I want more empathy. Okay. Now that's a, that's kind of a thing in process. That's not a goal. I mean, you might think of it's a goal. I want to be that. But the way we apply that is we want we start to care more about other people, what they think and how they feel. And it's an ongoing thing. It's a way of being, not so much a, 
I want to I want to move my entropy from you know 3.7 to you know 4.2. See, that would be a goal. We don't look at it that way. We look at it as it's just a process that I need to work on. Okay, I would like to be more caring. I would like uh, to not get angry. I would like to get rid of some of my trigger points. I got so many trigger points. I'd like to eliminate some of those trigger points. Just get rid of them. Okay, now these are like processes in work. And that's sort of what we need with, with our intention. If we use our intention, say, to get data out of a database, then we have an intention on the information that we would like to have. And that's also an intention. Okay, but that is not really in conflict with things happen. Things happen in spite of our intentions. Whatever our intentions are, things happen. We're not in control of the universe you know we are we do not live at the center of the universe and the universe does not evolve around us and stuff happens and no matter what our intentions are and when that stuff happens we just need to deal with it we need to not say oh that's not the stuff i wanted to happen there's a problem here you see that's yeah. that's you wanting to have controlled it and you and you didn't control it and what, what was i missing how could i have manipulated that better See, that's not such a good idea. The better idea is stuff happens. How do I deal with it? So you accept things that happen, and you also have intentions of you know, how you would like to become, things you'd like to do, information you'd like to get, how you be. That's our, that's our direction. You know, our, our intentions set our direction. Where are we headed? And kind of why are we going there? And what's the point anyway? You know, why, why am I going there? So this is an intent. And at the same time, stuff happens. Whether you intent, like I say, whether it's your intent or not, doesn't matter. You're in a multiplayer game with hundreds of other people and you can't control their free will. So you have to deal with that free will and don't try to control it. Don't try to control people in the way they are. Don't try to force people to understand things the way you understand them. Just let people be the way they are. And deal with them in a very positive way. So those two things aren't really incompatible, but I can see that the words can be confusing because one of them is saying, just let go. And the other one is saying, no, intend a particular thing. But <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a difference in the way we're applying. Don't intend that the future has to be the way you want it. You see, now that's depending on an end, on an end goal. I want people to do this. I want people to do that. I want this thing to happen and that thing to happen. And now that intention generally leads to action of manipulation, control. You try to control it to make those kinds of things happen. Okay. So the intention that I'm talking about isn't that you're trying to control things to happen, is that you're, you're trying to access things. You're trying to grow. It's not a matter of control. You have to have the, the intent to do it, but it has to happen. You're not forcing it. So you can't really force data out of the database. You just ask, you can't force yourself to be more sincere or less angry or fewer trigger points. You can't demand that or manipulate it. It just has to happen. But it won't happen if you don't have an intent. But see, you're not really manipulating or taking control of that. The intent's just setting the direction. And the, you know, there's really no control there. It's not a it's not a control thing. You're not control. Now, if you do control it, if you say, OK, I'm going to control my anger every time I get angry, 
I'm going to swallow it. I'm just not going to say anything. When I feel angry, my lips will be pressed together and not a word will pass and I won't act angry. Matter of fact, I'll train myself. Whenever I feel angry, I will keep my mouth shut and smile. That's just what I'll do, you see. Well, now you are manipulating. And now that is a thing where you're trying to control. It's manipulating. It's being inauthentic. And it's not good. It's not helpful. But if you'd say, I really don't want to be angry. My intention is that I just don't get angry because my ego just isn't attached to things having to be a certain way. So when they're not that way, you know, I just won't get angry because I'm not attached to it. Well, now that's an intention to grow toward. That's good. So there are two different things there. There's a difference between control and intention. And intention isn't an intent to control. <laughs> it's, an, it's an intent to, to be. You know, it's, it's a guidance of how you're going to go and how you're going to approach things and, and how you'd like to grow up. It's not a, a control thing. You're not forcing those things because if you are forcing them and controlling, like just smiling whenever you feel angry, well, you're not growing up any. That's not helping you. It's helping all the people around you because now they don't have to put up with your anger, but they feel that anger in there anyway. Even if you sit and smile, they can feel that anger and it pretty much works out the same way, although you don't get into as many arguments, but still you're seething yeah. inside and that makes it worse because without expression, it tends to build up and build up until pretty soon you pop and go into some sort of a super angry mode where you're angry with everybody, you know. And uh, that's not helpful. No. You don't want to just stuff things under the rug and not deal with them. So it's not about action. It's right. about just being, meeting life and being who you are. And if you don't like that, well, then intend to be different. But that's not a control. Don't control yourself to be different. Be different. Right. That's that's sort of the difference between those. I think there's a lot of confusion around the law of attraction. I know we talk about this every once in a while, but, you know, where you're to focus on, you know, the new house or, you know, the fast new car or, you know, that when the secret came out, it, it was very kind of greed oriented and very focused on, you know, positive Stuff. thoughts and yeah, very much yeah. things outside of yourself versus, yeah. you know, working on ourselves to grow. Um, yeah. So I think people get confused about, you know, they, they do. is that manipulating? You know, you know, the thing is that, that the uh, law of attraction, you know, it is based in, in fact, in the sense that we do modify future probability with our intent, but it has, for that to be very powerful, for it to work, for it to actually modify future probability with, uh, with any, um, surety, that intent has to be out of the being level. It has to be uh, focused. It has to be kind of a, um, I don't know, uh, I guess being level is the best way I can say it. You know, it has to be a thing out of your core. It can't be just a wish. Right. It can't be, I sure would like a faster car. I sure would like a prettier girlfriend. I sure would like a lot of money in the bank. So I want it. So I'm going to think about having it all the time because that would, you know, that would make my life easy. There's almost no power in that. Right. That's just an ego whining about the things it would like to have. And whining egos don't have much power. That's about as powerless as you can get. So even to get that new Mercedes-Benz in your garage, it has to be the intent has to come at a level much different than just your ego whining. Right. 
that's a very low power intent. It has to come out of a, a kind of a, a deep level. And if it's always about stuff, you know, about you aggrandizing your ego. Oh, now I have a Mercedes Benz. I'd really be cool. You know, I'd have the only one on the block and everybody would think I was great. That gets in the way. That's ego. Yeah. And the ego tends to weaken your intent. If it's an ego-based intent, it's a very weak intent. That's more like a wish. It's not really the kind of intent that modifies future probability very well. So the people who see it as a getting stuff because their ego would like to have the stuff, well, it just never seems to work for them very well because they're approaching it through ego, and ego is a very weak player in the, in the uh, ability to modify future probability. It has to come from a deeper place. It has to come from kind of the, the level of, you know, we might say the level of soul. You know, it has to come from that sort of place. And from that sort of place, that's not where the ego is. See, that's outside the ego. That's a different place. That's almost a spiritual space is and where that comes from. the soul really is not going to care about the Mercedes or the really exactly. large Exactly. <laughs> it's really not going to care about any of that. Right. So, you see, those two are kind of incompatible. Yeah. So, you know, it's... It, uh, it needs to come out of that deeper level where the Mercedes-Benz really didn't have any interest. <laughs> if, it's, if it's the stuff you want, you're pretty much coming out of your ego. Yeah. And your ego is a weak player. If it's something more significant to your growth and to life and you know something like that, now you have a lot more traction in, because now it's coming out of a stronger, more powerful place. And... That's why sometimes this law of attraction seems to work very, very well and sometimes it doesn't. So you can get people who can train themselves with practice to have their wants come out of that deeper place. But they have to not do it because of ego. There has to be some other sense driving that besides that would make me cool. Because if that's their sense, they're not going to be successful. All right. So I think that's I think that answers that question. Now, we got a question around crying and ego and specifically um this was I mean I I kind of corresponded a little bit so I could get clearer. This, specifically this was around, you know, people crying at funerals. And of course, I mean, for me when I think of grieving, I think, you know, it's an authentic place. Obviously, it it is ego, but it comes, at least we're being authentic and not kind of stuffing down um, an emotion that we really need to deal with. Like it's, you know, if, if we hide behind all of our emotions, we're not, we're not growing up either because we're, we're just, um, we're just stuffing them down into our unconscious and at a later date, we'll have to deal with them or, or not, but it's not helping us grow by not, honoring um some of this okay well grieving and crying at funerals will just kind of all wrap that up in grieving yeah. even if it isn't a funeral and even if you're not crying you know <laughs> it can still be you know the yes. grieving the grieving process that tends to be ego because it's about your loss yeah. people who are upset and crying um tend to be crying because now their life is different. Now they won't have this person in their life anymore. So it's about their loss, about them. And when it's about you, that's ego. You know, that's 
that's the woe is me. Life is different. I didn't want this change. I don't like this change. I want it to be the way it was before. Uh, you know, I don't want to do this change. What am I going to do? How am I going to do it? Everything's different now. Uh, it's, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and you can feel that way about other people. Oh no, you know, Susie had three little children. She got run over by a bus. Oh no, that's so sad. What, you know, what's going to happen to those children? And then you can get upset over that. Uh, that still is about you, your feeling. Things aren't the way you want them to be. So you might think, well, that's really about Susie. That's about others. No, it's about you. Life is a way you don't want it to be. And that upsets you. You see, and that's ego. But grieving is not a problem. You know, it's not an ego problem. Ego becomes a problem when it is kind of, you know, when it's an ingrained part of you and it, 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 it uh, drives your responses and your feelings and your actions and your intents day after day after day, year after year, because it is a part of you. See, that ego that, that defines you is the problem because you now have an emotional reaction because you lose somebody or, you know, something else happens, you know, in your life. Uh, you, you don't uh, get the job that you thought you were going to get or, you know, your cat dies or some other sort of thing that happens uh, or you don't get accepted to that school you wanted to get accepted to. There's still now there's a little grieving there. There's some emotion and you can feel bad about that. You can feel upset about that. And that's okay because it's temporary. As long as it's temporary, it's not really a problem in your growth. It's not like, oh, nobody should ever cry at a funeral because that's ego and ego's bad. That's silly. No, don't, you know, that's, that's not the way it is at all. If you're upset, cry if you're upset. That's authentic. If you're really bothered because things aren't the way you want them, you know, you can cry about that. Things aren't the way I, I want them. But if you let that go on, um, if that begins to drive your life, you see, now it's not temporary. Now it is a problem. Now you do have to deal with it, and you're going to have to get rid of it to that extent. So things that are temporary reactions to things, they're not life drivers, and they're not really all that important. And yes, they're ego, but it's authentic. It's real. It's you. You have that ego. Things aren't the way you want them, and that upsets you. All right, go have a good boohoo, and you know, get over it, and then learn to let it go, and live without it. You know, you have to. Things happen, and now you have to deal with them. That includes bad things that happen, like death and and uh, you know, lost positions and jobs and things. And then you go on. You have to let it go. So as long as you don't let it run your life, as long as it isn't there for months and months and years. And we all know people that are like that, that have a, you know, a relationship uh, problem. And it might not have been that a person died. It may have just they broke up, you mm -hmm. know, that kind of thing. And five years later, see, that's still gnawing at them. It's still a problem. Well, that's because they're probably, it's not just the breaking up, but that breaking up, they probably have some kind of guilt or inadequacy or some other kind of thing that runs deeper into ego of a different sort is what keeps that alive for so long. And that's not healthy. So temporary sadness, ego, um, not a big deal. Sure, it's okay. Just have it and learn to grow to the point that you can accept what's happened and deal with it successfully. But you got to deal with it. 
It's not like, well, I'll deal with it over the next 10 years. Well, now that is a problem. You see, or I deal with it. Uh, I'll never deal with it. I'll always have this, this issue. Well, you need to let that go. That'll just drag you down. If you've got so many of these issues, each one's like a weight. And that weight's attached to you. And pretty soon, if you have weights attached to you all over because of all these things you hold on to, then um, you're not going to be a very happy person. You're going to be one of these perpetually sad, unhappy people that uh, always feel that, you know, life is just too horrible. Mm. It's just not fun. You don't want to go on. And that's called depression. So you have to just get over things. And some things are hard to get over. You know, I can imagine there's some very, you know, when a, when a child dies, right. okay, when a young child dies, you can almost guarantee that the parents will feel guilty. Because after all, a young child, they were in charge of, you know, its safety and everything else. And then they failed because, you see, and no matter what the circumstances were, even if the parents, you know, did everything in due diligence, were the perfect parents, took every precaution, things still happen. And people still feel guilty, whether they're really guilty of anything or not. They just feel that way. So those are hard issues to deal with. But you need to be able to accept it. It did happen. And whatever parts you had in it, well, I was going to go in there and check them, but I didn't because I was just too tired myself. And then, you know, something happens. But you have to let that go and say that is the way it happened. Now, my job is to deal with that, learn from it and grow up because of it, not to let it drag me down. And which drags everybody else down around me, of course, you know, not to do that because that's, that's hurtful. That's not good for you. That doesn't help you grow up. So ego is not a problem in small doses for specific reasons. That's no, you know, it doesn't have any long-term difficulty for you. That ego you carry around forever or you carry it around deep, you know, that, that, uh, sort of like the hand you know, the, the hand up your back that makes you react to things the way you do, you know, that gives you all those triggers. That's the problem. Right. Crying at a, web, a wedding doesn't, doesn't produce a trigger for you. you know, it shouldn't produce a trigger for you. It's just an experience. Right. And it's okay. You know, I think when it comes to death, and I know this is a little off topic because really we were talking about ego, but it really has nothing to do with that other person. Just like you said, it really has to do with our ego and how, how it sort of made us react from a different place. Like a lot of people have abandonment issues. So when something like a murder happens or a death or, you know, we kind of get triggered from our own abandonment issue regardless of how close they are, but it, it's like this charge to it that, you know, oh, we don't see that that person just gets to transition to a different form. We think, you know, that energy is no, no longer exists and, you know, we're never going to feel that person again. And it's, it's again, it's, it's coming from this place of me instead of right. right. Exactly. It's coming from, it's all ego. It's things aren't the way I want them. I don't want so those things to happen. I don't want them to happen to other people. Right. I don't want them to happen to, you know, even people on the other side of the planet. And it upsets me when I see these poor people, you know, being pushed around by soldiers or whatever, you know, those things, then people have very strong emotions for that. Mm 
Well, it's good to have empathy. It's good to see that situation. It's good to see what's wrong with it. What's, you know, how did it happen? Why is it like that? It's good to understand those. We're not thinking, you know, oh, just, you know, oh, well, that's the way it is. Go on. No, that's not what we mean. It's good to understand it. But it's, it, if it's about you, because now you feel frightened, now you feel hurt, because it's not, it shouldn't be that way. You know, if that's your idea, well, it's not fair. You right. see, that kind of thing. It's just not right. Well, that's indignation. And that indignation is just your ego. You have to deal basically with understanding things the way they are, accepting the things you can't change, changing the things you can, and always trying to be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. If that makes you angry, and now you watch videos and people are being abused and you're angry about it, well, now you're part of the problem. Right. You see, anger, fear, ego, that's part of the problem. If you get down to the basics, the reason those horrible things are happening to those people is because of somebody's ego, somebody's you know fear, somebody's thinking about what they're going to get out of it. Uh, you know, that arrogance, that's all ego, that's all fear. So now you let that push you into being more fearful, you know, more ego anger well now you've just added to the problem well no you haven't gone out and abused somebody but still you're adding you know you're adding negative things into our into our being here into our into our culture into our world and we need to get rid of that negative stuff not add to it that's like when the when the guy says there's no baloney in the refrigerator and then his wife gets angry, then he gets angry at the wife because she got angry, and then he gets, she gets angry at him because he's angry now for her being angry, and pretty soon they're not talking to each other and they're having a big fight, you see. And in her mind, he was really being rude and, and didn't seem to give her any respect, and in his mind, he was attacked for no particular reason, mm -hmm. and that never comes out. The reality of the situation is never understood. All that's left is anger. That doesn't help. It really doesn't help. So it's the same if you've seen, you know, people get bullied somewhere. Well, that should make you think. You should have empathy for that. And you should understand how that came about. What's wrong there? Those are important lessons to understand. You don't just pass it off. You learn from it. Well, you know, why is that like that? What's the, what was the, you know, what are, was all the causal things that led to it? And what you'll find generally on both sides is ego, fear, fear, ego, belief. You know, that's what was, that's what causes it. That's the problem. And now what do you do in reaction to that? More fear, <laughs> you know, more, more, uh, you know, more ego, more belief. So that is not helpful at all. Perfect. All right. Last question. So last question has to do with, can we feel energy from our clothes? Well, personally, I do a lot of clearing work and I've never had to clear clothes, but I think, I think you came from it from a different perspective, which I really liked. So let's talk about that. Okay. Well, you know, if you uh, get somebody's clothes, let's say you buy, uh, you go into a second shop and you buy stuff that somebody used to own. You know, and is there a problem with getting some of the energy of that person that used to own it, you know, and gets on you or, you know, affects you some way? Well, um, that's similar 
to a bigger question, which can objects, can things carry specific energies? You know, like an old relic. You can have an you know, old relic that was owned by some Egyptian sometime. You see, does that carry special significance, special energy? Or crystals are supposed to have specific energies. Oh, have this crystal will make you calm, and that crystal will make you something else. Uh, you know, they change things because of the energy. And you can put energy into a special symbols like wedding ring or, uh, you know, a Christian cross or, you know, there's all kinds of symbols that you can invest energy in. And now I can take this Christian cross and go in and chase vampires away because, <laughs> you know, they fear it because of its energy that yeah. it has. So we have this idea that objects indeed can hold and have energy. And the reason we have that idea is that it's true. You can pick up an artifact of some sort and you can get some information on you know, things about that artifact, where it's been, you know, what was its function, how it was used, the people that used it, but you're not getting that from the artifact. The artifact makes you ask the question, oh, I wonder who owned this before. I wonder what they were like. I wonder what this was used for. How did, you know, how did it come about to be in this place at this time? You're asking questions. And when you ask those kinds of questions, then you kind of just leave space for an answer. Uh -huh. What you're doing is querying a database. So you ask the question, and you pause, leave a little space for an answer. Oh, and images come, or things come, and you get some idea. That's called psychotronics. And that's using your mind to intuit things, you know, things that happened around objects. All you're doing is querying a database. You're asking a question, and you're waiting for an answer, and you get the answer. It's not that that information is somehow tied to that thing and is part of the energy of that thing. It doesn't work that way. That thing's just a thing. It's a virtual thing. It doesn't have memory. You see? Right. It's a, what is that thing? Let's say it's a, it's a ring that was owned by the Pharaoh or something. You right. see, that's, that's a ring. And you can trace that back and see where it came from, how it was made, even the stone that was quarried, you know, to make it. And you can get all that because you're getting it out of the database. That ring is a virtual ring. It's ones and zeros on a hard drive someplace. It's just a virtual ring, as are all objects, including the clothes. This is a virtual reality. It's just virtual stuff. It's ones and zeros on a hard drive. It's, some, it's a data. You know, it's data in a data stream that consciousness gets that they interpret as this physical reality. It doesn't have any memory. It doesn't have any energy. There is no energy. Energy is a metaphor. You see, so... When you see it that way, then no, things don't have energy. But people do. Consciousness does. So if you go into a house and somebody tells you, you know, oh, that house, uh, you know, the last person that owned it, there was a big axe murder going on in there. And, you know, 12 people were found chopped up in there. And uh, it's been on the market for 20 years and nobody <laughs> buys it. And now you buy it. And nobody told you that. Then you find out. Well, suddenly every, you know, you hear things, you feel things, you hear people scream in the night and all this stuff. That's because you have been given enough information that you wonder, you question, you feel, is there something there? How maybe the ghosts of these people are there? Well, as you have these intents and thoughts, you're liable to get information back. You see, you'll create that. You'll create that, um, 
exchange, if you will. You'll create the ghosts. You'll create other things because now you are interactive with that possibility. Hmm. So that becomes part of your data stream. And you may even see that ghost walking through your room, you know, with an ax in hand. Well, all that is data in your data stream. You see, it's not physical. It's not there. And if nobody had told you a thing about it, you probably would never have that reaction to it. But it's still possible you might. It's just not as likely. Because if everybody else around that area knows about it, they're all thinking about it too. And they're saying, oh, those new people from New York, they came down here and didn't have any idea. And they bought the old Smith place, you know, that's haunted. Well, if thousands of people around you have that in their mind and wondering about how those New Yorkers are getting along there in that old house, well, that may be part, you know, we have, we have conscious to consciousness communication all the time. That may actually create something, but it's all coming out of the minds of people. It's not because places are inhabited. And when you go in and you cleanse a place, you clear it, what you're doing is you are providing not only information, but information with a couple of exclamation points after it that says, it's okay now. This, this house is, this is okay. This space doesn't have that problem anymore. And when the people who have hired you hear that, then they feel better. And when they feel better, they let those things go. When they let those things go, well, it doesn't happen anymore. You see? So that's, you know, that's how those things work. What you're doing is you're, you're modifying their thinking process. And you interact with them. If you just came into their house and they didn't know about it, you, you, know, you knew these people had a haunted house and you were going to go and clear it for them. But you didn't say anything to them. You broke into their house, you cleared it for them, <laughs> and then you left. And nobody could tell you were ever there, right? It probably wouldn't have worked. <laughs> you see, it just wouldn't have worked because part of what you do is communicate with the other people. Explain to them what you're doing. And, oh, yeah, I felt this over here. Oh, well, then they say she knows. She connected with it. Okay, that's good because, see, they couldn't connect with it. They're just frightened by it. All right, now you're moving them out or you're doing this and you're doing that. Well, you're giving them process to lead them to an understanding that it's gone because of your process. If you just walked in and said, okay, click my fingers, it's gone, no problem. That'll be $100, please, and then leave, it probably wouldn't work, you see, because you didn't lead them through any process that helps them feel like now it's not a problem anymore. So that's what's going on. It's really, it's consciousness is the active ingredient, not the thing, the stuff. Now, can the larger consciousness system put data in your data stream that looks like a ghost? Sure, it can do that. And would there be some reason for that? Well, maybe sometimes, maybe it help open people's eyes to a larger reality. There may be other things. So it's not just that people imagine it. It can be there, you know, outside of their imagination. I'm not saying these things are only imagined. That's not it at all. I'm saying they're all mental. They're all in consciousness. They're not in physical stuff. Right. It's all in data stream. And by doing the things that you do with your intent, when you go clear a place, you're using your intent to modify their data stream. You're using your intent to put them in a different space, to clear that data stream, if you will, 
from giving them the data with that bad stuff in it. So that's what's going on. And you can do that. That's, that's the thing. Your intent modifies future probability. And if you have confidence and you're working from, you know, from your soul level, from the being level, then you can modify that future probability to the point that they don't get that in their data stream anymore. So in a real, in a real sense, you are clearing that for them. But it's not like there's this stuff out there that you're shooing away. What you're clearing is all in consciousness because consciousness is where everything is. There's nothing out there anyway. It's a virtual reality, you see. So all the activity, all the, all the work, all the change is going on at the consciousness level. It's not going on at the physical level. We just think it is going on at the physical level because that helps us focus. It helps us focus our intent. It gives us a process to work. You see, so we kind of think of it that way, but those are tools. And you know, there'll be people who clear houses and they all have different tool sets. Mm -hmm. They have tool sets that they've grown up with. You know, some sprinkle holy water, you know, mm -hmm. some do this, you know, some light candles, some say prayers, some, you know, they have all kinds of tools. The tools are irrelevant. It's what they do with their conscious intent. And those tools help them focus that intent to do it because all the changes are in the realm of consciousness, not in the realm of physicality. There is nothing in, the, in this realm of physicality. It's just information in consciousness and data streams. So that's how those things work. So this crystal will help you have calmness if you think this crystal helps you have calmness. And every time this crystal comes near to you, you go, oh, I feel so much calmer then that will work. You'll have that as an association. And that crystal comes around, you'll associate that with calmness. And when you do, what you're saying is, I feel calm. I want to be calm. Let go of all the stress. Okay, let that go. This crystal helps me do that. Well, the crystal's just a tool to help you focus your intent on the calmness. Right. You see, it's not the crystal that causes you to be calm. The crystal causes you to focus your intent on being calm. It's your intent that is actually doing it. But if you don't have this process to go through, if you can't go get your calming crystal and then feel <laughs> calm, then you can't do it yourself because you don't feel like you have that kind of skill or ability. If I just, you know, if I could just tried to be calm, it wouldn't work. <laughs> but if I go get my calming crystal, that works. It's just a tool to help you focus your intent. And the tool has to have some process to it Otherwise, we don't believe it. Right. See, you just walk in and say, snap my fingers. <laughs> all right, all the ghosts are gone. See you later. Give me a hundred bucks. <laughs> Nobody would believe it. You see, there's not enough process there to create change in consciousness. So the process, though, isn't real. It isn't actual. I mean, it doesn't really do anything other than it helps build, helps change consciousness. Look at things in a different way. So that's the way bringing the calming crystal in and makes you feel calmer because now it allows you to have confidence and an intent that you can let that, that frustration go or whatever. So you do feel better when that calming crystal is around, you see, but that could be a, it could be a wash bucket instead of a crystal. Whenever I put this wash bucket here, I feel calm. And if you made that association, it would work just as well. You see, it's not the crystal it's the association 
well, we won't make associations with wash buckets because, wow, that's ridiculous. What could a wash bucket do with anything? But crystals, <laughs> they're kind of nifty and and so on. So we can make an association with them. And people can charge a great deal of money for these crystals, so they must be doing something, right? But that's oh, an sure. interesting thing. So that th- this could lead yeah. to a another show. I'm thinking that we'll we'll expand on. The different this is this has yeah. led me to some more questions, so we'll leave that okay. till next week but, or next All month. Right. But that was that was some interesting information. I'm yeah. sure I've heard it somewhat, sort of before, but no, this came in a different <laughs> way that I I haven't heard. So yeah, so we're gonna do a follow up show on this because it made me think about healing and different things. It's it's we're gonna we're gonna do follow up on this. So uh, if you have questions and you want to know, you know, how our consciousness affects us, that's that's kind of what we're gonna look at. Uh, well, next month it'll be something to look forward to. It'll be fun. We'll talk about <laughs> uh, how intent modifies future probability. That's how you heal. And it's also how somebody else's clothes make you feel itchy. There you you know, it's, it's the same process. It's, uh, it's intent modifying future probability. And awesome. we can discuss that uh, next, next time. That'll be fun. That will be fun. All right. So until next month, you've been listening to News for the Heart, and we've been getting to the heart of what matters. Have a question for Lori and want to be on the next News from the Heart show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. News from the Heart is brought to you by Intuitive Soul and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org. 